You are listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. There are going to be a lot of great things going on this summer at Collective, so make sure you are following us on social media at My Collective Church to stay in the loop. Now let's get into Sunday's message. I'm trying not to say something, but I have to say something. Pop is not the correct term. Um, that's the type of music. Thank you. Yeah, if you call it pop, you can just head back to Indiana, uh, where it comes from. Um, sorry, I, did, I have a very strong opinion about it. I didn't know it until CT said it earlier, and I was like, oh, I hate this. Um, so uh, please, I, this, I know what's going to happen. You're always going to be like, you want to pop? You're going to come talk to me after service. Just ignore me, get your drink, go home. Um, so as we begin today, I, I just want to start by saying happy Father's Day. Um, just like Mother's Day, we know that today brings just a full range of emotions for people. Uh, Father's Day comes with a ton of joy of being a father. There are a lot of first-time dads here at Collective celebrating. And so there's just so much excitement with that. Um, but today also comes with good memories you know, of a loving father. Um, but we know that it also has the sorrow of losing a father. You know, a lot of people have, have lost family members in the past few years, but that stings and can sting for a while. Um, we know there are people at Collective that grew up in a home without a father or had an abusive father. And there are people here that desire to be a dad one day. And um, so we just want you all to know that we see you, um, specifically men. Uh, today brings a full range of emotions, um, good and bad, happy and sad, and that's okay. And so no matter what today brings, uh, no matter how you're feeling now, that might change later. Uh, uh, we just want you to know that we're praying with you and for you today um, as you kind of navigate Father's Day. And so for the past few weeks, our sermon bumper video uh, that's made you jump every single time has been this insane compilation of people cliff jumping. So I want to know by a round of applause, how many of you have ever done something like this before? You've jumped off a cliff into water. Okay. All right, all right. I'm really proud because first and second service had a decent amount of people. I also think that they might be the loudest people because if you are one to jump off a cliff into water, there's something wrong. Um, now, for those of you who have never done this before or never would do this, can I get a round of applause? Are there a few of you? Okay. <laughs> uh, it's more people, but they're scared. Um, so the first time I ever went cliff jumping, I was a freshman in college. And the moment I hit the water, I was hooked. Over the next four years, I would go out on Saturday afternoons with my friends, including CT, and we would go jump off cliffs into waterfalls, into lakes, into rivers. And there were a bunch of great spots around us in Tennessee, but the scariest was called Elk River Falls. Elk River Falls is in Asheville, North Carolina. It's about an hour away from where we went to school. And this is called the deadliest waterfall in North Carolina, which just to be clear, we didn't know that when we were in college, okay? We found that out when researching for this sermon. Sure, I mean, there were signs leading up to the jump that said, do not jump, but like who reads those anyways? Also, full disclaimer for the students that are in the audience, um, this is dangerous and you shouldn't do this unless you know it's safe. But the caveat is the only way you know it's safe is if you actually jump in. So you're going to have to figure that out. Uh, I guess talk to your parents about it and maybe do it later, but not when you're around me. Um, and so Elk Rivers Falls is a 50-foot drop. But as you can see from the picture, the cliff face doesn't go straight down. It actually curves out on the way down. And so what you would have to do is you would have to actually walk back about 100 feet to where you couldn't actually see the water anymore. 
and your heart would be pounding, that adrenaline would be pumping, and then someone closer to the cliff would yell, go, and you had to start running because if you didn't, you wouldn't make it, right? You had to ignore the fear, the insecurities, the doubts. You had to ignore reason and just go for it. And if you did, you would experience one of the most amazing feelings in the world, a free fall into the cool and refreshing pool of water down below. But if you didn't sell out for the jump, you wouldn't make it. And the truth is, faith is kind of the same way. Over the past few weeks, we've been in this series called All In. And the goal has been that every single person here during this series takes one next step in their faith. In week one, I said, it didn't matter if you followed Jesus or if you're new to following Jesus or if you've been following Jesus for years. The question that we needed to all be wrestling with is, what is my next step? And the reason we're doing this series is because of the gospel. The gospel simply means the good news. And the good news is that grace is available from a God who loves us. And because we want as many people as possible to experience that good news and that grace, we go all in. But here's the thing, going all in is scary. For many of you, it feels like you're 100 feet from the edge and I'm up here yelling, go, but you still aren't sure. And Paul, whose teaching we've been focusing on this series, totally understands this. And so this is why he writes this in 2 Timothy, uh, starting in 1, verse 7. It says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Now, this writing from Paul is unique. Over the past few weeks, we've been reading what Paul wrote to Christians in the churches that he helped start. But this is straight from Paul to a guy named Timothy, who was his protege. It was his disciple. And in the Bible, we actually have two letters that Paul wrote to Timothy as he encouraged him to be the leader and follower of God that God had called him to be. And so in this letter, he's reminding Timothy that God didn't give him a spirit of fear and timidity, but one of power and love and self-discipline. And that's exactly what God gives us. That is what God has given you. God did not give you a spirit of fear and timidity. He gave you a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. So whatever you are up against in your faith right now, lean into that power. Lean into that love. Lean in to that self-discipline. Paul continues in verse 8, so never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Now, here's one thing that's always true when it comes to being all in on Jesus. There are people in your life that won't understand it. There are people in your life that will call you crazy. There are trolls who will do everything they can to bring you down because of your belief. Some of you might have heard the story this week. On Wednesday, Kari Willis retired from the NFL. He was drafted in the fourth round out of Michigan State, and he played defense for the Indianapolis Colts for the past three years. He was a starter, and he was one year away from a massive contract. But he gave it all up. Here's what he shared on social media. He said, with much prayer and deliberation, I have elected to officially retire from the NFL as I endeavor to devote the remainder of my life to the further advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? Talk about going all in. He is walking away from millions of dollars, from fame, from a team that wouldn't win a Super Bowl but maybe would get close because they're the Colts. Right? He's walking away from a life that other people would believe. This is the peak. This is the dream. This is what everybody wants. And he's going to spread the gospel. And if you saw the post on social media, most of the comments were overwhelmingly positive. 
but sprinkled throughout the feed were their haters. Right? They're saying things like, God isn't real, or what a loser, or spread the gospel of Jesus. I, didn't know, I don't know if you know this, but that guy is already extremely well known, or he's going to regret this so much. And there are a bunch of other things that I can't share because they're too inappropriate. You see, when you go all in in your faith, there will be people who don't understand. And some of them will try to shame you for it. They will doubt you. They will question you. They will judge you. Right? And we know this comes from their own baggage and their own brokenness and their own problems. But it still hits us. Right? It still impacts us. And so Paul tells Timothy and us, don't be ashamed to tell other people about Jesus. And then he goes on to explain why. He says this in verse 9, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. And he did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. Right? The reason is grace. You see, Paul understands just how powerful grace is because he had felt it in his own life. Paul knows that grace is life-giving and life-changing, that grace is what sets us free and makes us new. And so Paul is saying, don't be afraid to spread the gospel and don't worry about what other people will think about you, right? Because they need Jesus and they need grace and it's our job to bring it to them. And then he says this in verse 10. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. So because Jesus broke the power of death and conquered the grave, we go all in. We go all in on grace. We go all in on God's truth. We go all in on the good news. And so let me ask a follow-up question. If you're taking notes or taking pictures of the notes, um, put this right under the question I asked earlier of what is my next step. This is the next question we need to wrestle with. What is stopping me from going all in? What is stopping me from going all in? What is stopping me from going all in in my faith? What is stopping me from going all in in this church? What is stopping me from going all in and spreading the good news? There's a legend from the Middle Ages that when soldiers decided to follow Jesus and get baptized, they would actually keep their right hand out of the water when they were immersed because that was the hand they held their sword with. And they were communicating very intentionally, Jesus, you can have all of me except for this one part. Jesus, you can lead me in every aspect of my life, but not this aspect. Jesus, I'm all in and you can have it all minus this one piece. And we do that, right? We hold on and we hold out in our faith and tell God that there are parts of our life that are off limits. But here's the thing, Jesus wants all of you. He wants the good and the bad. He wants the messiness and the brokenness. He wants the imperfections and the fears. He wants our actions and our emotions, all of it. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 22, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Jesus wants it all. So what are you holding back? All right, what is Jesus asking you to do that you are too afraid to do? What are you afraid of letting go of? What is stopping you from going all in? Over the last two weeks, uh, we've given very specific challenges around giving and joining the team. So I want to talk about those a little bit more for a second. What is truly stopping you from choosing generosity and trusting God with your money? Next week is a huge Sunday for the future of Collective. Uh, it will be a top five moment, top five day in the history of our church 
as we are asking people that call collective their church home, which is really important, if you are new, this does not apply to you, but we're asking those people to give boldly above their regular giving as we try to raise the first $50,000 of the $75,000 we need to expand into the 6,000 square feet next door so we can create a bigger space for collective kids. And so we're gonna put it back up on the screen so you can see it, but I just wanna remind everyone how you can participate in this. There are two ways. The first will be to give online. This is the easiest, it will always be the easiest way to give at Collective. But the second is, if you write a check, you put all in in the memo, you can drop it off in the gray baskets at the double doors at the auditorium. We will announce the first kickoff total on July 3rd during church. And if we hit the full 75K by our fifth birthday on September 18th, I have promised that I will get in a dunk tank and you can take your best shot at dunking me. I'm not concerned, okay? I don't think many of you can throw, all right? That's, that's my, that I'm not concerned at all. And honestly, if you don't like me or this series has upset you in some way and made you uncomfortable, just give so you can throw things at me. Like, I'm totally cool with that. Uh, listen, if I could convince all the people who are haters of me and collective to give just so they could dunk me, we would crush our goal, okay? Some of them are watching online. Just give so you can torture me later. You'll be okay, right? But whether we're talking about giving regularly or taking part in a special offering for a great cause, right, for the future, for our kids, I know that many of you are hesitant. Right? And you know that God calls us to be generous. Right? Generosity is a part of our faith, but God calls us specifically to be generous with our money. But you don't like that. Right? That's your money. You've worked hard to earn it. You need it. And you are afraid that if you trust God with your money, there will be bills you can't pay or there will be trips you can't take, or you are afraid that you will learn that trusting God with your money isn't actually that scary, and you'll have to admit that the real issue that you're struggling with is trust. Trusting God, trusting the church, trusting people. So you're saying to Jesus, you can have all of me, but not that part. I'll give you all of myself, but not my money. What's actually stopping you from checking the box and joining the team? You want all the grace that Jesus offers. You want all the hope. You want all the goodness. You want all the feels that come with sitting in these seats on Sunday mornings. But you know that Jesus is pushing you to not just receive the good news, but to create space for other people to experience it. And so you'll say things like, I'm just too busy, or this is the only day of the week I get to sleep in. Or for a lot of people, it's I've served in church for a long time, so I've paid my dues. But the reality is that you are afraid to go all in and to start serving because there's insecurities or you're nervous because it's gonna be hard and you might not be good at it right away. Or you're afraid that if people get to know the real you, they'll actually see that you struggle with your faith. And so you're saying to Jesus, you can have all of me, but not that part. I will give you all of myself, but not my time. Let's talk about baptism. I said in week one that I was gonna challenge all of you who are not followers of Jesus to give your life to him and get baptized. I also said I was going to challenge those of you who love Jesus but have never been baptized before to take that next step as well. So let's get into this. You're going to feel uncomfortable. I'm not sorry. Pretty much every week at Collective, we will encourage you to be baptized. And the reason why is because this is foundational to our faith and to our obedience to Jesus. Baptism is the physical action that represents what is going on with the faith in your heart. And in the Bible, it's what we are told to do when we choose to put our faith in Jesus. The word baptism literally means to be immersed in water. It means to be dunked. And the thing is, baptism doesn't save you. 
No physical act, no religious act saves you. The Bible is very clear that the only thing that saves us is the grace of Jesus. That's it. It's not like going through some religious rite of any kind will save you. Not baptism, not confirmation, not communion. None of that saves you. Jesus saves you. But Jesus does tell us to get baptized. Paul actually talks about baptism like this. In Galatians 3, he says, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. So he says, baptism actually unites us, makes us one with Jesus. And the end result, it's like we put on new clothes, ultimately saying, hey, the past is gone. Like the way you used to look, the way you used to be, that's gone. And you are seen in a new way. He also says this in Romans 6, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we, may also, now we also may live new lives. And so baptism symbolizes the death, burial, and resurrection, just like Jesus experienced. The difference for us is that it's the death and burial of our sins and our mistakes. It's the death and burial of our old selves and the resurrection of ourselves into a new life. Right? Baptism symbolizes a fresh start, a second chance. And the first reference to baptism in the Bible comes when Jesus is baptized. Jesus was 30 years old, and he was actually about to begin his earthly ministry when he approaches his cousin, a guy named John the Baptist. This is how it goes in Matthew 3. It says, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? John ultimately didn't think he was worthy of baptizing Jesus because John knew that Jesus was the Son of God. But Jesus said, It should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. And so John agreed to baptize him. And this is really important. Jesus was immersed in baptism. Right? It's because God asked him to do it. He wasn't sprinkled as a baby. Right? It wasn't the Virgin Mary's responsibility. If, if anybody could have sprinkled their child and done some religious rite, that would have been important. It would have been the Virgin Mary. But that's not how it played out. It was a choice that Jesus made out of obedience to God. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on them. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. There are only two times in the Bible where God speaks directly to Jesus, and this is one of them. And both times, God says, you are the son that I love, and you bring me joy. Right? So Jesus was baptized, and that should be enough. But for some reason, it's not. So let's keep going. Because it wasn't just something Jesus did for himself. Jesus actually baptized other people. In John 3, it says, Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there, baptizing people. Right? And so he was baptizing. He baptized others by immersion. He wasn't going around sprinkling babies. He's not the pope. Right? He wasn't setting up a special baptism Sunday once a year to assembly line people into heaven. Jesus was teaching. And as he was teaching about grace and life and joy and hope and forgiveness, people started to believe that he was the son of God. And so they were baptized. But just like we read the last few weeks, he also told us to go and do this thing. In Matthew 28, he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so when looking at Jesus, who was the most all-in person of all time, he was baptized 
He baptized people. He taught baptism. Right? It doesn't get any easier to understand than that. But if we struggle with that because we aren't Jesus, which makes sense, let's look at Paul. Before Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament of the Bible, Paul made a career out of persecuting and killing Christians. But one day, Jesus literally opens up the heavens and calls him out. Paul is blinded as he's on the road to Damascus. And then three days later, God sends a man named Ananias to meet up with Paul. And this is what happened in Acts 9. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Paul went from not believing to having faith in Jesus. And the first thing that he did to honor that was get dunked. Right? He was made new. His old life was dead. His new life had begun. And as we've read over the past few weeks, he goes on to start churches and baptize people and change lives. Like we exist because of the ministry that Paul did. And so if we don't want to follow Jesus's example because that one's too hard, we can follow Paul's. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Let me talk to those of you uh, who follow Jesus but have never made the decision for yourself to get baptized. Jesus says, I did this thing, so you should do this thing. Then Paul comes along and says, Jesus did this thing, so I did this thing, so you should do this thing. But then your parents were like, we did this thing for you, so you don't have to worry about it. Or you grew up going to a church where they said, hey, that's just not something we do here. And I don't know why churches do that. Like, like fundamentally, I know why they do that. But I don't know why churches choose to ignore scripture, especially when it comes to something as important as baptism, especially when it comes to what Jesus actually did with his own life. But at some point, you showed up at Collective, and you're learning what the Bible, not a pastor, right? We're reading scripture right now. You're learning what the Bible teaches about baptism. But because of your past experience, you think, I don't really know if I need to do that. And that just doesn't make sense, does it? It's kind of like this. A few years ago, I was in Orlando for a conference, and I was flying back here with two of my friends. And if you know anything about the Orlando airport, um, it is intense. It is the seventh busiest airport in the world, uh, most of which are people going to or from Disney. So they've got like 12 kids and matching t-shirts on. It's very overwhelming. Um, it's a lot of people who don't fly, and so they don't know the rules, and so they're trying to bring like full meals through security because airports are so expensive. It's the people who walk through the, the metal detector with their phone in their hand and go, I don't know why it went off. Like, it's just the most overwhelming airport I've ever been to. If you're going to Disney, maybe drive. That's probably worse, but just be prepared. And so when we arrived at the airport to fly home, we knew that we had a very small margin of time to get through security, grab food, and board our plane before we were stuck in Disney World forever. And one of the guys with me had lived in Orlando for six years, and so he knew the chaos and he had known the airport. But the other guy, Sam, had never flown out of Orlando before, and he was terrified. Like he was so nervous about missing his flight. So after dropping off our rental car, we just told him, hey, just stay close and follow us. And it took all of three minutes to lose him. Instead of getting on the escalator to go up to the top, he decided to take the stairs, which is never a good decision when you're in an airport. Always take the escalator. It's like three flights, and he's trying to carry all of his stuff up. And so we get to the top, and we wait for a few minutes. And so we decided we were just going to text him and tell him we're going through security. Once we get through, we'll tell you which line to get through if you eventually catch up. 
And so we got our tickets checked, and we noticed that there's this like, security line off to the side, right? If you go through airports enough, there's always that one that they're saying, go to that line, go to that line. Everyone's like, no, I'm not going to go to that line. I'm going to go to the one that's full. And so we decided, hey, we should probably go to that line. And it was so much quicker. Within a few minutes, we were through security. So we text Sam. We said, hey, go to the right-hand side as soon as they check your ticket. And he went to the left. And again, refusing to follow our lead, he decided to go his own way. And so we didn't wait. We didn't have time. So we hopped on the monorail. We got to the other side. We sat down to eat dinner, and he was stuck. Eventually, we were literally throwing our trash away. And Sam appeared, very disheveled, completely out of breath, even though it was a train. But he was acting like he ran over. But freaking out because his flight was boarding, and he still had to get to his gate. Here's why I share this story. I understand a lot of people here have been following Jesus for a long time. But we have to ask ourselves, what type of following consists of not doing the things that Jesus was doing and commanding? Jesus says, follow me. Do what I do. Trust me. But instead, we choose to go our own way. And listen, I've done this plenty of times in my life. Uh, My whole faith story is full of instances where I feel like God is clearly saying, follow me. And then I decide, I'm going to go in the general direction at which you're calling me, but I'm going to take my own route to get there. And this is brought on nothing but pain, right? Pain and frustration and a ton of brokenness into my life, right? I do this. You do this. And sure, Sam still somehow ended up boarding his flight and getting home. But the whole experience was so much harder than it needed to be. And yes, God can redeem any one of our situations when we choose to go our own way. But what if we just listened to him so we didn't have to deal with the pain and destruction that choosing our own way brings? And so when it comes to baptism, I get there is tension when it comes to those of you who are sprinkled as babies. And please hear me as I say this. Your parents made a great decision to try and raise you in the faith. But your faith is your faith. Your parents cannot make that decision for you. They cannot save you. They cannot repent for you. They cannot hand off forgiveness to you. They cannot be all in for you. Only you can do that. And for those of you who went to a church that didn't celebrate baptism, you getting baptized doesn't disregard your past faith. But when we say we are followers of Jesus, that means doing what Jesus did and following what he taught. And Jesus himself was baptized. So if you've never taken that next step, even if you've been following Jesus for 50 years, there is a step of trust and obedience that you really need to be wrestling with right now. In the words of Paul in Acts 22, he said, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. So what are you waiting for? A sign? Like This is your sign. We say it every week. (laughs) There is a sign every week. Are you waiting until you don't have any more doubts? The truth is you will have doubts every single day. Doubts and faith go hand in hand. Are you waiting for the fear to go away? Well, any big next step is going to bring fear. So we can't let these things stop us from going all in and taking that next step and getting baptized. It's time to jump. And so the same thing we say every single week, if you want to have a conversation about that, if you want to wrestle with that, we encourage you to check the baptism box in your connection card or head to next steps. 
Or if you're really upset right now and have a conversation, come yell at me in the lobby. We can talk about it. Maybe the thing that you're holding up out of the water that's stopping you from being all in isn't a next step. Maybe you've taken those next steps, you're in that place. But maybe there's a sin in your life that you don't want to let go of. Right? It's your sex life. You're saying, Jesus, I love you, but I'm going to do what feels good to me. Or maybe it's the way that you talk about people. And so you're saying, Jesus, I love praising you on Sundays, but when Monday comes, I want to be able to say what I want about who I want. Maybe it's your social life. Right? Jesus, I'm thankful that I know that I'll never be alone, but when I'm with those friends, I don't need you. Maybe it's your job or your marriage or an addiction or an authentic and vulnerable version of yourself. And you are saying, Jesus, you can every single part of me, but I'm going to take the lead on this aspect of my life the way I want to. What is stopping you from going all in? Paul said, I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Are we doing everything we can? Are you doing everything you can? Am I doing everything that I can? This past week, one of the leaders at Collective shared this story with me. In the summer of 2019, a woman walked into Collective with her family for the first time. Um, and we didn't know this, we didn't know them yet, but earlier that year, her brother had actually died of suicide. And over the next few months, the family would show up, they would check their kids into Collective Kids, and then the husband and wife, they would go into the gym of West Frederick Middle School where we used to meet, and they would worship, and they would listen, they would take communion, they would pray, all while managing the grief and pain of losing someone they loved. And week after week, there was a place for them to do that. And I can't imagine the emotions they felt trying to worship God while feeling such pain. Right? Many of you know that feeling because you've been in that place before or you're there right now or there's been a similar experience in your life. You know it is so hard to worship God when you feel that hurt and that brokenness. Right? It's hard. Well, last week, this woman shared with one of our leaders that her brother's suicide had actually brought her to the point where she began thinking about taking her own life as well. She just wanted to give up. And so someone asked, what brought you out of that place? And the woman said, I don't really know. And she paused and said, actually, I do. It was collective. And it's not because of collective. It's because of Jesus. Like, we know that, and she knows that. But what she is saying is that this is a place where she experienced the good news when it felt like there wasn't any. What she's saying is that this was a church where she tangibly felt the hope of Christ. What she's saying is that it was because of this church and a place to show up every single week that she was able to experience the healing grace of Jesus. And so this is why we're doing this series. This is why we challenge you to go all in for the good news. Because we had no idea what she was going through when she walked into Collective for the first time. But what we knew then and we still know now is that there are people just like her who walk through these doors every single week feeling like they're at rock bottom. They're searching for answers. They're longing to feel like their life has meaning, craving forgiveness and grace and love and just for somebody to see them. And we want Collective to be a place where people can find those things through Jesus. So if that is you, if that is the place you are in, you've come to the right place. Collective is a place where you can heal and you can experience grace and you can experience the love of Christ. 
But if you are someone who has experienced those things in your life before, right, you've chosen that grace, you've accepted that forgiveness, you've felt that love before, it's time for you to go all in to create space for other people to experience it as well. Let's pray. God, um, here we are again coming to you in, um, in discomfort, God, honestly, in fear and some frustration, because we, we know deep down inside you are challenging us to take a next step. God, you are asking us and you are pushing us, but we are terrified. And so God, I pray as we continue to wrestle with what you are asking us to do, God, I pray that we can continue to do our best to lean in. God, for those of us who are holding things away from you and keeping things uh, or trying to keep things out of your reach, God, I pray um, that we just let go. God, we stop trying to compartmentalize our faith and our life and what we want and what we feel and just give it all to you. And God, we're so thankful. Um, as we read the Bible, we see examples of what it looks like to be all in, not just from Paul, but from you. Um, and you set the tone for us, God. I, I pray that we follow. So God, give us the opportunity this week to take the next step. Um, give us the courage to do it. Um, give us the grace so that when we fail, uh, you pick us back up and we can keep going. Um, but ultimately, God, help us experience the life that you have for us, which is so much better than the one that we're living right now. God, thank you for what you've done in our lives. Thank you for what you're doing. Um, God, thank you for discomfort so we can wrestle with what comes next. God, we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.